1: And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: Hi, I'm Megan Gilker, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Hi, friends. How are you guys doing? Um, It is officially Earth Week this week, and we've been kind of treating the whole month of April as our Earth Month. So I don't think our conversation is going to get more intense, and I kind of wanted to take a last week's was a you know a very like earth focused conversation, but this week I wanted to just take a little bit different approach, mainly to mix up what you may be listening to this week or seeing, but to bring a new conversation into what it means to be thinking about our Earth and the mindset of ecology and connection to nature. With a new perspective, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Melvin Parsons from We the People Opportunity Farm, which is located in Washtenaw County, just outside of Detroit, basically close to Ann Arbor, right in Michigan here. And Melvin is such an incredible person, but what he has built is just an extension of how incredible and what a vision he is. So Melvin spent 13 years incarcerated, and his story is so different than anything that I personally have experienced. These are not experiences that I have had. I don't know anyone really that close to me who has had the experiences that he has had. So our conversation was really amazing and enlightening. I really enjoy connecting with Melvin. I cannot wait to go and visit his farm. But it's more than that because I think when we're thinking about people who have been incarcerated and, you know, we don't always think about like how hard it is for them to re-acclimate into the community to break that cycle. And Melvin tells his own story, which is so important, but he talks about it in the sense of learning how to utilize nature and the earth in order to heal and break that cycle. Because what he has done with We the People Opportunity Farm is their mission is that. It is to break the cycle of incarceration in their county by investing in the employment and development of formerly incarcerated men and women through farming and community engagement, which I am so in love with this vision. Because This concept of healing ourselves through the land has always been very important to me. I have experienced it in my own ways, and I can tell you so many other people that have also experienced that. But I really didn't understand it from the perspective of what it means to be a Black person in our country, in America, and how this healing with the land is more complicated. And we get into that in I think this is so important during Earth Week because I always want to expand our vision of how we see see the land, see the earth, see nature through other people's experiences and through other people's lenses. Because the thing is, is that some of the most activated people in our community, in the country, in our world, when it comes to environmentalist things, is that is people of color, Because they are directly seeing this. And they're also the people that we're learning from. We are learning from indigenous cultures about how to interact with nature. These are not ideas necessarily that are being birthed out of the white, you know, culture. It is coming out of very long history of indigenous cultures, black culture, all these places, these things are part of their history. And I think this all seems kind of new in many ways when we talk about, you know, decades and centuries of time of understanding our connection to the natural world. It's new to us as as white people, I think. And so this to me was one of those conversations that I came in very unaware of some of these things and walked away with a new perspective and I'm looking at things new because of our conversation. And so I want to jump in and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. It feels incredibly relevant right now. And it just so happened I had scheduled this like weeks ago, but it feels really relevant for all of us to just open our eyes to something new. So I will tell you more about how to support what Melvin's doing because this is incredibly important. But for now, let's hear from him and hear our discussion. So I am really excited to have you on I have followed you and what you're doing for quite some time and it was just like by chance that Leo messaged me and was like, you got to have Melvin on and I was like, I would love to have Melvin on I really had I found out about you, I think it was this last summer when Loma farm, which is just down the road from us here. And they were they were giving proceeds to what you're doing to Uh your nonprofit and we did a purchase that week and participated and after that I was like just so excited about what you were doing so yeah so it's just I felt like worlds were colliding a little bit (laughs) whether you knew it or not
2: (laughs) so how it happens yeah
0: (laughs) but what I would like to do is I think All of us have such unique stories that take us to where we go in life, you know? And I want to just start there. I wanna hear your story and how it led to like, not just inspiring you, but feeling like this was something you really had to do. And I don't wanna put words in your mouth or anything like that. So I want you to just tell us your story and how you got to um, developing we the People, Opportunity Farm.
2: Well, I I tell you, it's Megan. It's a it's a long journey. I don't even know where to begin at. Where do you you know from my childhood to you know because it's like it's like in life, even with all these strands of grace that we get, you mm-hmm. know. Once we once we find that one strand, if we dig a little further, we'll see that there was another strand that connected us to that strand, and you oh, got to so go true. back and. You know like it's all connected right like all those like they talk about uh you know like i'm the sum i'm the sum total of all my choices and decisions i've made up until this point right yes
0: it's <laughs> <That's> so true <laughs> the older i get the more true that feels so right i think I think let's I want to hear it like I that's why we're here like I want to hear this story and um, I think I mean I have an idea from doing research um, limitedly you know I didn't want to do too much because I didn't I wanted to hear it firsthand you know so let's let's dive in let's do this. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right, let's dive in. Let's do it. Uh, all right. I am uh, I'm Melvin Parson, and I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization called We the People Opportunity Farm, and our mission is to break the cycle of incarceration here in Washington County uh, through farming and community engagement. Last year was our inaugural year with putting together uh, a paid internship program for men and women returning home from incarceration. Uh, I think uh, the word paid and the actionable step behind that's important Mm -hmm. uh, for folks coming home from incarceration. Uh, A lot of times uh, on average or more than average, I'm sorry, more than average uh, folks come home and or for folks that are that are incarcerated generally have less than a, a, a high school education or the equivalent of, and and to top it off, you know, uh, they face these barriers or they they have these scarlet letters on their back, mm-hmm. in the form of an F for felon, and uh, and so it, it's it's hard sometimes to get work. It's hard to get a yeah. lot of stuff, you know, employment being one of them. Uh, you know, I noticed because I've spent thirteen years of my life off and on incarcerated, and I faced all of those uh, challenges or obstacles and, and barriers
1: mm-hmm. upon
2: my return. And uh, you know, and and some of it was on me. I mean, I you know I went back to doing what I knew how to do instead of kind of yeah. like I didn't have a community or support to kind of tough it out or guide me, and and so I wound up going back. You know, they call that recidivate. Um mm-hmm. and I and I did that several times. Uh, so anyway, so you know, as a result of that, I wanted to put together something that at least helped to address one of the uh, the challenges that folks coming home face. And again, last year was our inaugural year, and we had our goal was to have two uh, men or women in our mm-hmm. internship program. And it's a nine month program,
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, but because of COVID, you know, we got started kind of late, so we didn't, and we were still developing what the program looked like. Yeah. And so part of it is the community engagement piece, because it's, it's important for folks to to be connected back upon re-entry, to be connected back to a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other part was, you know, being out at the farm, uh, growing food, learning about food and soil and soil health and, and, you know, and that whole experience that, 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 that comes from that. And this year we're, we'll be starting our program in March. Okay. And even though we won't be ready to begin digging in the soil, what our interns will be involved in is a, a job skills and career building workshops with uh, okay. an organization here. And then in March, they'll come and then we'll get our hands in the soil. We'll get some food in the ground and mm. and we'll do some needs assessments with them and some goals assessments. And and for the nine months that they're with us, we're, we'll help them to achieve those goals and achieve those uh those needs while they're with us.
0: So, and then after they leave, where where do they typically go next? Like, is there, you know, a next chapter, so to speak, or what do you see typically happen?
2: Yeah. Well, after they, you know, the whole, the whole time with us, it, you know, it's, I didn't want to build an, we don't want to build a, a, a program that says, Hey, thanks guys and gals for being with us nine months. We really appreciated getting to know you. Uh, good luck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so, the time that they're with us, we'll be working towards whatever those goals are that they have in assisting in getting there. And some for some folks, it may just be, they just simply want full-time stable employment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
2: know? Or they may want to go back to school and get a GED, or they mm-hmm. may want to uh, go back to college, or they may want to get into a trade school. You know, what? whatever yeah. that is, we want to, you know, we want to help usher that next phase in and and stay connected with them and and build family and build community, you know, that can last a lifetime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so with your own story in being incarcerated yourself, and then how did you get from point A to point B yourself? I mean, I feel like that has its own really amazing part to it that would I, I guess have you the perfect person to be doing what you're doing right now.
2: Oh, how did I get from point A to point B. I I got a lot of help. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 I, I got a lot of help. I, I've got to say that.
0: But that's important because I think somebody like myself I don't necessarily know how that happens, like how and I would, I'm always willing to help people and I always see the best in people. And Mm. so I always am like, how can I be more helpful in situations such as yours? Like, I, if I met you, I don't think I would think that you had this history off the bat of incarceration and seeing who you are and what you believe in and the things that you're doing and changing the world doing the, I would never assume that. But so I think that's a good reason why we need to understand that not everybody that's been incarcerated has, you know, are they really a bad person or, you know, that they don't have anything to give to society or anything like that. Like we can't have that preconceived idea. right? And so I guess like, I want to know, I guess, is somebody who, you know, hasn't had that history in my life and could have that assumption about other people, which I don't, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would love to know what how what changed things for you that allowed you to go forward in this, you know, the kind of help that was necessary and to break that chain for you.
2: Yeah, I um. And, and just for the record, my belief is that most people uh are incarcerated a lot of times just simply because they're poor mm-hmm. you know and can't afford yeah. to you know get out of jail right it's, it's not that yeah. they're, and 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 it's not that they're and it's not for the majority you know it's not that they're bad people yeah uh but they have been like society and these policies and these laws absolutely you know have crafted and dictated almost determined what their steps are going to be. Yes, yes. You know, I think there's studies now that says if if by the third if you don't at some grade if you don't have uh by the third grade if you're not able to read your 90% chance that that you'll wind up in jail or, you know, something like that. So, so there's a lot of stuff that goes into shaping and crafting human beings. Although I, you know, I can't say that that was my, that was my story, uh, because I was raised by two, uh, wonderful people, uh, my grandparents Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they sent me to private school. So I had a really good, solid, foundational education Mm -hmm. you know kindergarten through i would say the eighth grade yeah and but but what happened was my my neighborhood started to have more of an of an influence on me Mm
1: -hmm. than
2: my grandparents did Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: and so i grew up in an era where young boys were being exploited to, you know, sell drugs because, you know, we couldn't get into any trouble, not really, we couldn't go to prison Mm -hmm. and, you know, and whatever, you know, yeah, our streets were flooded with drugs and, you know, and young folks Mm -hmm. were exploited to sell them. And, and so I, you know, I, I fell in, I fell into that crowd because, you know, the grass looks greener on the other side of the street Mm -hmm. Mm and, And then I, you know, started using drugs. And I mean, I just started making a series of bad choices and bad decisions Mm -hmm. that culminated, again, in in me being incarcerated, uh, struggling with drug addiction for years, uh, being homeless three times, you know, the whole, you know, the whole gamut. Yeah. You know, and some folks gave up on me and but some folks didn't. Yeah, you know, and and along this incredible journey, there have been folks that have entered into my life, Mm. uh, that have inspired me, uh, motivated me, nudged me, Mm -hmm. propelled me. You know, yeah, (laughs) you know all of those things, right? You know, because I mean, shucks, I you know I you know I didn't know what I wanted. I don't you know I don't. You know, I would have never saw this. Oh, yeah. I would have never saw me going back to school and and getting a bachelor's degree in social work. Like, I I didn't see those things coming. I went back to school, Megan, to get... I went back to school because I found out that they had student loans. And Mm. you could... And you could get a student loan and have some money left over after you paid for your book <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. So I, that was I know
0: me. that.
1: Yeah, that was me <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's awesome. But you got back in school, you went and got a social work degree. And then, so how did the farming piece come into that?
2: So the farming piece came into that while I was, while I was in school, I I lived, I lived in, there's a nonprofit organization called Avalon Housing Okay. and their mission is to end the, end homelessness. And so they have buildings, houses where, you know, they, you know, provide shelter and a home for people Mm -hmm. and in each one of their buildings, they started a program called Edible Avalon where you know the residents if they wanted to grow some food they could they had some raised vegetable beds there and and Avalon mm-hmm. would provide the uh, seedlings and the back end support oh, cool. and folks could you know grow food and mm-hmm. you know and that's you know pretty cool but I lived there for four years and never thought about being part of that program and uh in the winter of 2013 this wonderful lady named Verner who was a prolific gardener and got around in a mobilized wheelchair passed away mm. and the following spring I wound up with Verner's three by nine or three by 15 foot raised vegetable bed oh my <laughs> and I didn't ask for it it just landed in my lap mm-hmm. and I thought to myself what the heck am I supposed to do with this <laughs>
0: that can feel pretty intimidating a three by 15 raised bed that's that's a pretty good size for somebody who doesn't know what it hasn't done it before
2: yeah 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 and uh so so yeah so I got this vegetable bed and and you know and I you know I kind of you know I I like to roll with the universe and see Mm -hmm. how things play out and all Mm this so so I said okay let's see what's going on here and so I I, they gave me some seedlings and I uh, put some stuff in the ground and, and some food started growing. You know, I think I I had a couple of pepper plants in there, a, a tomato plant, a okra plant, a watermelon plant, and something else. And so some stuff started growing in it. And then I saw a documentary called Food, Eat. Mm. that same month and I was like holy cow (laughs) 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 right
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) right it's so funny there's been like a few people that I've interviewed lately that have said that same thing that that documentary was like a wake up in some way so you're not the only person
2: yes and I can
0: account for that as well
2: (laughs) good yeah and and I and I think that's what has propelled me every now and again I can go down the rabbit hole with some food documentaries yeah like cowspiracy and farmageddon and <laughs> yeah you name it
0: the list goes on the list goes
2: on <laughs> and so yeah so I got you know so I saw that documentary and and then I turned 50 that same month in April and and I, I had this midlife crisis <laughs> uh, but I was poor and I couldn't buy a Corvette so I figured I would <laughs> change my relationship with food, or at least begin to look at my relationship with food. I think that's better than a Corvette. (laughs) Much better than a Corvette. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so that led me to go down to the farmer's market Mm -hmm. Uh, here where I live at. Well, I live in Ypsilanti now, but there's a robust Mm -hmm. farmer's market in Ann Arbor. I would go down there on Saturdays, some Saturdays, uh, trying to figure out what kale was or heirloom, Mm -hmm. tomato. And I'd be down there for an hour sometimes and I would see nobody that looked like me. And then I looked around at the farmers selling me my food and they didn't look like me either. And and it was one of those trips that I went down there. It felt like the uh, heavens opened up and yelled down to me and said, mm. hey, Melvin, this is where I want you to sit at.
1: Mm. And,
2: That's cool. And since, yeah. And ever since then, it feels like the universe has not only conspired to make sure that I've got a seat at the table, but but that I also have a voice at the table. Mm. And and if I don't mess this thing up, I, I think I've got an opportunity to set the table in some ways.
0: Mm. That's huge. That's, a, That's
2: huge.
0: It is. I I love that vision too. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good cuz I I obviously miss gathering in dinners and stuff like that with people but in general but just that vision that's something as we've been building our own like online community that we're doing i have always had this vision of just being able to expand a table large enough that
1: mm, anyone mm-hmm. can sit
0: at it we all have access to it and yes. and it all feels tangible to people you know that like and the the change that happens not just when you gather around a table but when the food that is there at the table has been tended to and loved and the story that's underneath it is so rich that it's Mm -hmm. almost as as giving as the food itself so yes Yes. so (laughs) but yes i love that
2: yeah i I, and i love your relationship with uh food and the land one of the things i've i've noticed since i've been in this space is that uh and, and and it's getting a little bit better i know some um, mm-hmm. awesome programs or, or farms, not so much here in Michigan. There's, there's not a lot of black farmers here in Michigan, but mm-hmm. enough, I've, I've met some farmers uh, through Facebook and other social media mm-hmm. outlets. And so their relationship with food and, and the land is, is pretty amazing to see. Yeah. But a lot, of, a lot of African-Americans or black folks or whatever, like our relationship with the land has been so disrupted
0: it has been and,
2: and we're so traumatized yeah uh by it that i know a lot of folks that don't have the relationship with the land because they see it as a source of uh forced labor and trauma yeah. and everything that goes on with that i i remember i'll tell you a quick story i was yeah. um out at out at my farm. This was before it became a nonprofit. So I think this might have been in 2018. And and I was out there one day, getting hot outside. And it's about one o'clock in the afternoon. It might have been in July. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and I swear to you, Megan, I, I looked out into the land and I could I could see my ancestors out there, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the weirdest experience. Like I could see goosebumps,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: but what I saw was and what was revealed to me was the trauma and the pain, you know, like I saw this young black woman mm. laying out in the field, giving birth to a beautiful
1: mm.
2: baby boy
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and being told back to and told to go back to work, you
1: mm-hmm.
2: know, God. 20 minutes later, right? That sort of thing. Yeah. And I saw this strong uh, uh, man of African descent being uh, forced to crawl on his knees to get a cup of water from the from the uh, I don't know uh, slave owner or the mm-hmm. farm. What we call the farm manager. You know, yeah. just mm-hmm. being emasculated in front of his tribe, his wife, his family, because he needed water, you know, and I saw those things out there and 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 what it made me feel or understand was a deeper sense of why I'm here
1: mm.
2: you yeah. know, you know, like why I'm here and how I got here in mm-hmm. this way and and whose shoulders I stand on,
0: yeah. That's a huge responsibility.
2: It's a huge responsibility. Yeah.
0: How do you, and I guess I I continue to be asking myself this, is how do we help African-American Black people here in our country begin to make that, like, how do we participate in that healing process of or can we part like can I as a white person participate in that or how do I support that how do I you know I think that's something I've been asking is like the healing of the connection of the land and with for black people and I think what you're doing in my mind is is the is some of that but mm-hmm. how do you I guess I would love to hear from you on that seeing that and like knowing that about other black farmers and and to me You know, I purposely am always searching out for black knowledge on farming and indigenous knowledge on farming and the land, particularly because so much of what we know as white people that are farming and growing our food comes from black people and indigenous people going through what you're describing. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: think we don't connect that when we're looking at our food or even putting plants into our own beds as white people, like, how do we know these things like and I continually have this, the more research and the more I learn the gratitude that I have to black people and indigenous people, and what they have taught us is just immense. And so to mm-hmm. me, and almost overwhelming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But all I want is for other black people and indigenous people to have the ability to reconnect to the land in a positive and Way because I, I believe in that. There's nothing more healing in the world than our connection to land and earth and right. soil. Right. Right. I think it solves so many of the problems. <laughs>
1: it <does. laughs>
2: yeah, it really but, does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it 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 it, it um uh, it's up there with um so a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, uh we uh been talking a lot lately about uh, the words kindness and dignity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he'll he'll say to me, it doesn't solve all the world's problems, Melvin, but it it'll go a long ways, right? Yeah, it <laughs> will. Know, that sort really of thing. Will. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so would yeah, and so would land, and so would healing, and and mm-hmm. all of that. There's so much comes in that space. I don't, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, because it's it's so, a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's so. It's so multi-layered. It's so interwoven into so Mm -hmm. much stuff. I guess my answer would be one thing. So we can say, you know, like I can say, well, I don't know what it's like to be a white person. And a white person can say, I don't know what it's like to be a black person. Right. But we Mm -hmm. don't in that way. Mm -hmm. But if you're using the dialogue from a racist, a racism lens. Mm -hmm. But I think the denominator is everyone knows what it's like to be oppressed yeah that's very true right you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that the discussion and the the lens comes from that perspective and not so much the racism perspective right and Mm -hmm. so so someone can say okay what would i what would i need if i were oppressed Mm, right
0: that's a great question
2: yeah and and so and and that's that's a human, that's an all-encompassing, mm-hmm. you know, human answer,
1: you mm-hmm. know, like.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, I think it's easier, it's easier for me to say to someone, I, I don't know what mm-hmm. you could do, but if you were being oppressed, what would you want? Yeah. Right. That yeah. sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Because I think when we ask that question, it, it kind of d- digs into like that humanness of who we are and putting ourselves in that position. And I think that that is also why, like this summer with the uprising and everything like that, was so, it, it was the perfect timing almost because so many people feel with COVID, there's been this like, you know, things have been taken away and i think we can understand in some way a level of oppression in a new lens right and i i i think it was i never been so emotionally like strained through all of this and then to just witness everything and it just i was shaken to my core And I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine if that was my son, if that Mm -hmm. was, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it brought a whole new level to my understanding. And I feel like I, before that, I felt like I was really like, you know, pursuing these things, but Mm -hmm. it was just another layer that had to be broken for me. Mm -hmm. And as a white woman coming from a very white community, <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I couldn't experience, you know, because or put myself in those shoes of until that happened. Right. I, I wish I could say otherwise, but that's the truth. And so, mm-hmm. so it was, it was huge for me. And so that question, I think, is something to continually as myself to ask. I think that's so helpful. So I know it's not like a very clear, maybe you feel like you're not giving a very clear answer. But I think that's a very helpful direction to give because if we can connect to that emotional part of ourselves right then we can figure out how we want to have action tied to that attention that we are making
1: yes yes yeah 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 good Good. yeah
0: i just i want to come down to your farm and like (laughs) hang out for the day like it just sounds so cool and i just love the vision of what you're doing and just because I, like I said, I have such a belief that land changes the direction of our lives and like Mm -hmm. that connection does that. And so I guess the one other, a couple other questions I have is like, one thing is why Washtenaw County for you? I mean, I have an idea, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) But
0: I I I think a lot of people listening to this may not know, I guess, about where you're located, why in this area of Detroit specifically, and or even, you know, I mean Oh you're probably, yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, you we're speaking to a broader audience. Oh here yeah, people yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the world here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, international. Uh, so I was born so there's Washington County and then there's mm-hmm. Wayne, there's different counties. Um
0: which have been some I, of the hardest hit with COVID in Michigan, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's another thing to note for people because they may not know that is non Michigan residents. So
2: Yes. Uh, and so I, I grew up in Wayne County, born and raised Mm -hmm. in Wayne County in a small one horse town called Detroit.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: (laughs) so I lived there and then moved to Washtenaw County on May the 8th of 2004. Okay. And how I got here really wasn't, you know, it wasn't really by a plan or design or anything like that. I, I happened to be at, I was at a substance abuse treatment facility. Okay. Uh, probably my 11th one just before coming here. And while I was there, I tell you, I was in bad shape before I I got to that place. I hadn't had a conversation with anyone probably up for well over two months before I was in bad shape, really disconnected, disjointed from humanity and, and all of that. And and while I was there, really, the staff was really nice. And they just, just the simplest things, like they said hello to me, right? They asked me how I was doing. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I was so disconnected from just that, how awesome and how Mm -hmm. powerful, you know, those connections are. Uh, And so it made me, one day I was walking around the uh, grounds. Uh, two weeks into my stay there and I was walking around and, and something said to me, man, if you want to, if you want to get your shit together, mm-hmm. you cannot go back to Detroit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, it, it, so I, I mean, everything, Detroit was my everything, good, bad or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, And And in in, in that moment, I just resigned, you know, I said, Mm. okay, right. I'm not, Mm -hmm. now I didn't know where I was going to go. I just resigned to the fact that going back there was not an option for me. And within the next couple of days, within the next couple of days, three different people came to me who were all uh, residents with me at this facility. And And they told me about a town called Ann Arbor. And they told me about a treatment facility in Ann Arbor that had halfway houses, you know, Mm. where you could live. And, you know, and I said, okay, that's where I'm going to Ann Arbor. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you chase these things. This is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do. I I really, you know, I really do hone in on that. Yeah, I trust that. Uh, and so that's how I wound up here so it wasn't any strategy behind it other than I knew where the heck I couldn't go back to right that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it was a process too Megan of uh I mean for years I still floundered you Mm -hmm. know when I when I came to Ann Arbor you know because everywhere you go there you are Mm -hmm. right you bring you with you yeah I didn't I didn't understand that Uh, you know, I thought, you know, just like the geographical change would be enough and, Mm -hmm. and, and I loved Ann Arbor. I I mean, there was no trash on the ground. Uh, (laughs) the buses ran on time, Mm. you know, it, you know, those, you know, like I hadn't delved in how Ann Arbor was structured you know, uh, in terms of as a, as a society, and, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and the haves and have nots and whys and the why nots mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I hadn't reached that point in my uh, observation. All I knew was that there was no trash on the ground and that the buses ran on time and that I could feed the squirrels, right? That sort of thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of squirrels, I'm actually uh, writing a children's book right now entitled, you are? I am. It's entitled, it's entitled The Awkward Squirrel. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: My dad has like this obsession with squirrels and he has, he always makes jokes like he'll just send me random YouTube videos of squirrels doing stupid <laughs> things. It's one of his favorite things to do.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Your dad's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you were like my dad.
1: Yeah. He's a yeah. Guy. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah yeah that that's awesome i think it's interesting just where we end up in life because i i mean i've lived all over the country but Mm -hmm. in different places i've traveled Mm -hmm. a lot and for whatever reason Mm -hmm. i came back here you Mm -hmm. know and i ended Mm -hmm. up back here and i think that that was for a reason and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it had to do with like a natural like connecting to nature thing Mm -hmm. that was something i was intended to do and i feel like being here on this land, I have such a deep responsibility to mm-hmm. rehabilitate it to a place of that it that I leave this place better than when right. we landed on it and right. teaching my children that as right. a deep legacy, and yeah. how interconnected the human humans are to the natural world and how yes. we can learn the natural world teaches us really everything we need to know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we're just mm-hmm. willing to listen. Yeah. So. Yeah. And
0: and if that's all I accomplish in life, then I feel really good. <laughs> as
2: you as you should.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that that's powerful.
0: Yeah, I it, identifying you know something like that, I think can be you know, but and just chasing it. So, kind of to close, I wanted to just ask, like lastly, like how and what in what ways can others support programs like yours or. Or others similar around the country, and what are the best ways to support? I mean, obviously, monetarily and giving. If you have the means, if are there other ways? Things that maybe we're not thinking off the top of our heads necessarily. So, because what you're doing is so important.
2: I, I believe ways. Um, you know, different different organizations. You know, different farming initiatives. Depending on what they're doing, they're their need for support is different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could range from needing support or help in advocacy. Mm -hmm. It could range from uh, reaching out to your local elected officials, a wide range of things, you know, again, depending on the farm and depending on the organization. And, you know, I think the best way to support is find out who's out there, what's out Mm -hmm. there and, and then reach out to them and say, Hey, how can I help? Yeah. You know, what, what, what can I do to help, you know, I'm here to, to be of service.
0: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought about the elected officials thing, but I was thinking about how we were talking about, you're trying to get tunnels for the farm. Mm -hmm. and it's not something that is allowed in the township or in the county i think it depends are you a township or county
2: oh a township
0: okay so Mm -hmm. you would have like you know to have a few people behind you that may live in the vicinity of the farm to say this is okay to us and to kind of back you on that can make all the difference in
2: the world it can make all the oh go ahead i'm sorry
0: Oh no, you're fine, but yeah. yeah, it just can make a big difference. And I think we forget that just like stepping up and just saying like, "I vote that yes, that's okay," or mm-hmm. "I want to support that initiative," as a citizen, mm-hmm. then that
2: that can do a lot. I it can do a lot. It. Yeah, yeah, it, it can do a lot. Uh, we've uh, yeah, I mean, we've been we the people. Opportunity Farm has been really fortunate in a lot of ways. We've got we we've had a lot of support
1: Mm
2: we we've we've had prior to covid we've had like plenty of volunteers Mm -hmm. we've gotten a lot of support from our community uh financial support emotional support just just support in general Mm -hmm. like we've been really really blessed in that way but what i would encourage your listeners to do is you know to please go check out our website Yep. And which speaks a little bit more of, about the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And on our social media pages, uh, we've mm-hmm. been kind of hibernating with those because it's the winter time and yep. we don't grow food over the winter, but we're really, <clears throat> we're getting ready. We're getting ready to start up this year, and uh, and our social media pages will uh, keep folks informed about what we're doing. Yeah, and and feel free to reach out. You know, mm-hmm. send us a message, send us uh, an email.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I love to talk to people. I love to build community. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is so odd because my ideal here's my ideal. <laughs> couch potato life this is it right here right let's hear it let's hear it so my ideal life is to be able to sit at home (laughs) on the couch watching espn (laughs) eating pancakes with the blinds closed. that's it that's all i ever want to do
1: That's it. That's perfect.
2: (laughs) (laughs) However, however, you know, for some uh, I feel like the universe has got other plans (laughs) because my plan is not working out right now. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you
0: recuperate, right? Like after you've after you spent all that time outside and Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Melvin, I think we could talk all day. I seriously, when I can get down to Detroit, Ann Arbor area, I'm I'm heading your way, and I want to take a tour because I would love to see what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, please.
2: Yeah, please. By all means, we're we hopefully we'll have a a beehive or two out there this year, and a butterfly, monarch butterfly way station. Oh, We'll see how that goes.
0: Oh well, I can't wait to keep up, and I really appreciate that you just took this time to be with us today and it's so so awesome to hear about what you're doing and to hear your story and i just i'm so excited that we got to connect so thank you so
2: much i am too thank you megan it was an honor i'm glad you reached out to me I, i enjoy communicating with you you're an awesome person
0: thank you so much melvin for taking the time to sit down with us i am just so thankful that he had the time between starting and getting everything going at the farm and just being able to sit and chat with me it it was probably one of the top conversations i feel like i've already had on this podcast in terms of just feeling challenged and enlightened and really excited to see what happens for melvin and where everything is going i can't wait to go and visit this place and see what he's doing his farm his his team everything i i'm very much looking forward to that opportunity and to meet melvin in person we have never met in person But I am also very thankful to his board member, Leo Chen, who was so kind to introduce us. If you are at all interested in helping Melvin with his vision and what they're doing at We The People Opportunity Farm, you can head to their website, which is linked in our show notes, and they have an opportunity for you to donate. They have all sorts of opportunities for you to get involved if you're interested in this. Or... See if you can find something similar in your own community that is somebody who is building urban landscapes and gardening opportunities to connect people in a way that is healing with the land in a new way. So I really hope that you guys take the opportunity to dive into some of these conversations with other people in your community about how we can connect and come together in new and exciting ways around nature. So. As always, I'll see you out there, friends.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've
0: ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.